Turn to the book of Romans. Your Bible probably follows open to Romans now. We are in chapter 10. I'm going to read from verses 5 to 17. And we will look at 14 to 17 today. After Paul has restated his burden for Israel in the first part of chapter 10 and grieved over the fact that they were ignorant of the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own through keeping God's law, did not understand Christ or why he came. He says this, verse 5, For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For Scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek or Gentile. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear? Without someone preaching. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. Thus far God's word. Let's pray. Lord, give us beautiful feet. We bow before you in your word. We submit to your work. We pray for your blessing on the preaching of the word. Help me to preach your word in the power of the spirit. Help us to hear it as your word, loving it. Seeking to understand it and live in its light. Lord, bless the preaching and the hearing of your word. We know that your word never returns to you void. And that your word will accomplish the purpose for which you sent it. So we lean hard into that. And pray, Lord, that you administer through this weak vessel your glorious truth. That sinners might be converted And that saints might be edified and grown in grace. For it is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Do you have beautiful feet? Naturally speaking, I do not. In fact, that was one of the first things my wife made clear to me before she was my wife. Was that I did not have beautiful feet. She does, on the other hand. How about yours? Maybe you have gnarly feet. Ugly feet. Not beautiful feet. You can have beautiful feet, though, in the eyes of the one that matters. And I'll take it a step further. You should have beautiful feet in the eyes of the one That matters. Here is the beautiful truth. Even if you have the gnarliest feet on earth, they can be beautiful without surgery. 
No podiatrist involved. No plastic surgeon needed. And I hope from now on after this sermon, whenever you are looking at your feet, be they beautiful or not, you ask yourself, are my feet beautiful in God's eyes? Here's a hint at how. Why do you think the church has been so passionate down through the ages about taking the gospel to the ends of the earth? Answer. We saw it in chapter 1 of our study in Romans. The gospel is the message through which souls are saved. This is from the Net Bible, Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is God's power for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel from faith to faith, or by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous by faith <clears throat> shall live. The one who is just by faith shall live. This seems simple. And it is simple. If we want people to believe in Jesus, we have to tell them about Him. See, we're in, we're in a study in the book of Romans. We've studied up through um, the first part of chapter 10. Maybe the first half. And what we've seen is Paul's passion for the gospel and his desire to go to Rome and preach the gospel. And the gospel is really that 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 I just read to you is the thesis statement for the whole book. God's gospel is the thesis statement. And he began by showing us like maybe a lot of people don't do today. He begins with sin and the need for salvation. So that we see the beauty of the good news. So we saw Paul up through um, almost uh, halfway through chapter 3 showed that Jew and Gentile had fallen short. Sinners, lost, needing a Savior. And then in the rest of chapter 3, he showed us that Christ was that Savior and that we are justified up through 4. In chapter 5, we are justified. We are declared righteous by God. Through faith alone in Christ. Faith connects us to Christ. Union with Christ. So that we are forgiven and cleansed. We'll talk more about that. And then this theology of sanctification in chapter 6 through 8. With that great crescendo at 8. And then we began in one of the most feared chapters in Romans chapter 9. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the chapters in Scripture that people try to explain away more than most others. Because it deals with the sovereignty of God. We've seen Paul show us in chapter 9 what he's going to talk about in 9 through 11. And we show that the thesis statement is in chapter 9, verse 6. Just reminding you, it's been a little bit since we were there. After Paul speaking about his burden for Christ, he says in verse 6, It is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. And so it's the children of promise down through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who are chosen. It's the elect. You can pray for me. I've been coughing this week. Allergies, I think. So we saw the glorious doctrine of election in verses 1 to 29. And then we begin to look at the responsibility of man. So we got sovereignty and responsibility, and we began to look at the Israel's unbelief. And we saw that we began that in verse 30 of chapter 9, and we're still kind of talking about that. We're going to come to the conclusion in chapter 11, where there is a remnant of the Jews chosen by grace. There's also the Gentiles being grafted in, so that you end up with one new man, Jew and Gentile, in Christ, one body. So that's where we're going. But the Jews pursued righteousness through the law and not grace. And so he's still dealing, why? Paul is still dealing with the question, why is it that only a remnant of ethnic Israel will be saved? 
And today we see him in this text today focus on the necessity of gospel preaching. And I entitled it Beautiful Feet. It's 10, chapter 10, verses 14 to 17. Simple main point. God gives us beautiful feet when he makes us fishers of men. When he saves us, he makes us fishers of men. Look at point one. Beautiful feet are feet that deliver the good news. Now look back in verse 13. We're, remember, we're, we're looking at 14 to 17, but it's part of a whole. And the last thing we saw in verse 13 is Paul quote from Joel saying that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the good news from Joel is that everyone who calls, and what does it mean to call on the Lord there? It's kind of like the, <clears throat> the, the tax collector. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? It's a call of a broken, repentant, desperate sinner crying out to the Lord for salvation. Because that sinner has seen how far short they fall. They are lost and need a Savior. So they have turned and cried out to the Lord for salvation and trusted in Jesus. So we're picking up at the end of verse 13 when he says, in continuing to talk about that. And what we're going to see is four rhetorical questions. You see this word, how, 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 in this section. And he says this, How then will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? So let's reverse that order. In order for someone to come to the Lord, in order for someone to call on the Lord, here's what has to happen. Someone has to be sent to them. Right? We need someone sent. Number two, the one sent must proclaim the gospel to them. So that they understand that they need a Savior. No gospel, no salvation. Right? And then, number three, they must believe the gospel and cry out to the Lord for salvation. So, someone is sent who preaches the gospel, and it's through that gospel that people repent and trust in Jesus. I went to Georgia this past week. And evidently, I picked up a lot of Georgia pollen that, I, that I'm not used to. <clears throat> and it's, it's wreaking havoc with me. So you've got to be sent. You've got to proclaim the gospel. And the Lord will work then through that gospel so that some, and we'll talk more about that later, call upon the Lord for salvation. But notice I skipped one of the questions, didn't I? I did that for a reason because I want to talk about this for a minute. And Sam alluded to it in his prayer. But look, look in um, verse 14b. This is the one I skipped. How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? <clears throat> How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? Now, Listen to how the New American Standard and following in that train, um, the Legacy Standard Bible does it. How will they believe in him whom they've never heard? I don't know if I can preach and have a lozenge in my mouth. Cindy's trying to help me. Notice, look at your ESV. How are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? New American Standard. How will they believe in him whom they've never heard? The of is not literally there in the text. So that's why if you catch the difference, and even if you, if you look in your, uh, some of your ESVs will have uh, a footnote about that. Him whom, or him whom they have never heard. So it sounds like, when the gospel is being preached, it's Christ who is speaking. And the good news is, 
I might could use another one of these. The good news is that when the gospel is rightly preached, it is Christ who is speaking. Look at Ephesians 2.17 in the context that he here is Jesus. Now, I'll let you go back and read that. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Now, Paul is talking to the Ephesians. Jesus never went to Ephesus. Not during his earthly life. And yet Paul can say, he came and preached peace to you. How did he do that? Well, through Paul and the others who went there. See, it's not just the person speaking when they go and they preach the gospel. When they're rightly preaching the word of God, it's Christ speaking to his people. Which is comforting, isn't it? Hopeful. You know, that might change the way you prepare for Sunday. If you come expecting to hear from the Lord and knowing that as the word goes forth, Christ is ministering to you through his word, by his spirit. Look what he promised when he sent out the 72 in Luke ten sixteen. The one who hears you hears about me. Is that what that says? The one who hears you, he's promising them, the one who hears you, hears me. And the one who rejects you, rejects me. And the one who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. So when when the gospel is being rightly preached, when the word is being rightly preached or proclaimed, it is Christ speaking with a living voice to his people. See, if anything good is happening here this morning, it's because the Spirit is applying the Word to the people. So Christ can take a fallible preacher who doesn't get everything right, but to the extent of His Word going forth faithfully, He's powerfully at work in His people, converting and sanctifying them. Christ is here. Christ is at work. And Paul is saying, how can they believe in Him Whom they've never heard. Christ sends His church. He sends His his people. He sends His disciples out. And yet He goes with them. And with us. What did He promise in the Great Commission after saying, Make disciples of all nations. Baptizing and teaching them. What was the last thing He said? And lo, I am with you to the end of the age. So it is comforting to know that His presence is with us, but it's more comforting to know that He's the one working through us to build His church. It is Christ speaking through His messengers who deliver His message, His gospel. When His word is faithfully proclaimed, Christ speaks through us with a living voice. He said, go and I will be with you. How do you know he's with you? Because you get this excited feeling, right? And therefore, you know he's with you. You say everything right, so you know he's with you. You never stumble over your words, so you know he's with you. You know how you know he's with you? Because he said he would be. It's his word. It's His church. It's His mission. And He's building His church and His Word won't return to Him void. And when we are speaking His truth and His message to those who need to hear it, we can have confidence that He is speaking through us to His people. That takes some of the pressure off, doesn't it? How will they call on Him in whom they've never heard? And how will they believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? 
Has anybody been sent? Yeah. Those with a special gift are the only ones who are sent. It was just the apostles. Or it was just those original 72. If you go read Matthew 28, 19, you'll see that there are no qualifications there. Yes, he does say to the original crowd, the original apostles, go. But they're the representatives of the church. And through that, he is commanding them and through them us for his church to go and make disciples. So, yes, there is something special going on on the Lord's day when the word is preached by the one who's called and equipped to do that. But that doesn't mean he won't speak through you. When you go to talk to people about Christ. After all, it was, the, it was the laity that got scattered out of Jerusalem and went forth everywhere sharing this gospel. And you saw churches popping up. Because the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So he sends his church out with his gospel. And this confidence that his gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And he works through that church with his gospel to convert and sanctify his people and build his church. So in one sense, it doesn't depend on me or you or any of the rest of us. He's given us the message and he's given us mouths. And we just speak his message. We don't have to wait till we can answer every Christian, some heathen, every question some heathen might ask us. If they ask you a question you don't know, guess what you say? I don't know. We'll work on it. We'll find out. I don't know. Always keep the gospel the center when you're talking to people because people are always going to try to divert you away from the gospel by asking smokescreen questions. So deal with them a little bit or you say, I don't know, and come right back to Christ in Him crucified. I heard a story of a man who went into the hills. He was converted. And all he knew, and I don't remember the hymn, all he knew was John 3.16 and one verse of a hymn they sang. And he went into those hills with that verse and, uh, of Scripture and that verse of that hymn. And he came out with a hundred people. Because Christ worked through His Word to convert His people. Christ is speaking through his messengers who deliver his word faithfully and he's building his church. After all, what did Jesus say? You will build my church. You remember that? He's looking at his apostles and said, you will build my church. Well, he, he, you know, I'm glad he didn't say that. It wouldn't take me long to mess it up. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And he's doing that to his people. Now, look what Paul does after asking those questions and showing the necessity of the gospel being preached. If people from every tribe, tongue, nation and language are going to come to faith in him. Now, watch this. Here's where the beautiful feet come in. In verse 15, the second part, as it is written, by the way, the the New Testament is an inspired commentary on the Old Testament. That's what it is. Please don't tear your Bible in half or let anybody unhitch you from it. Just rightly understand it in light of Christ and his coming. But look at this. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful. Isaiah 52, 7 says this. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Why well, mention feet? Well, in ancient times, messengers would run from place to place to deliver important news. Imagine what their feet looked like in that day. Their feet would be dirty. 
and worn from the journey. But when they arrived with the good news, their feet would suddenly become beautiful. So it didn't matter what their feet literally looked like. Their feet were the vehicles by which they got that good news to the person. Often of victory. Military victory. But messengers would run. Yeah, they couldn't text one another. Think of a relay race. And a lot of times, sometimes they'd have to travel long distances. Their feet would be worn and dirty, but they were beautiful because they brought good news. How much more the beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of salvation. Those who are sent. Those who proclaim the gospel. And through that proclamation of the gospel, people believe and come to faith. Do you have beautiful feet? When Christ saves someone, He makes them a fisher of men. Do your feet deliver the good news of victory, the good news of salvation through faith in Jesus? If so, they are beautiful feet in God's eyes. And listen, it's just a picture. Maybe you can't even walk and you're in a wheelchair. You still can have beautiful feet if you're taking the gospel to those around you. Because the gospel really is is going forth through the mouth or the pen. Not, Not the feet. The feet just what gets you there. Beautiful feet are those who preach the good news. And here's a little bit of more good news. Point number two. Beautiful feet are not defined or determined by man's response. Look at verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. I mean, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that, 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 that not all of Israel would believe. And we're going to talk more about Israel's unbelief and tie all that back together as we, as we work on through the chapter. But he's quoting from Isaiah 53, 1 there in verse 16. And the fact of the matter is, and this was true with the Jewish people, but it's also true with the Gentiles. Many who hear the gospel reject it. Probably most who hear the gospel for the first time reject it. I know I heard it a lot and would reject it. Until God was at work. Many who hear the gospel reject it. Think it foolish. Don't think they need it. I had a friend in Columbia, South Carolina. When I left Lee Data, I was one man. When I came back, I was another one. When I left, I was lost. Some time passed by. I ended up getting my old job back. And people were afraid for me to come back. Y'all laugh. That's the truth. Y'all know me now. But then when I came back, Chuck, who worked in the office, was a Christian. And he had heard about me. And he was, oh, gosh, I got to work with him. But I came back as a new believer. And he was like, oh, okay. But one of the guys I worked with earlier, early on, when I came back and I got, I had some opportunity to speak with him. And I, in fact, I gave him a booklet about, about the gospel. And his response to me, he, he read it. He would hear. Nice guy. He said, I just don't think I'm that bad. In other words, he didn't think he needed salvation. And I lost touch with him. I hope by now he's come to faith in Christ. Steve George, if you're out there and you have, let me know. But many who hear it reject it. Uh, The Word of God says that for the most part, the Gentiles will think it foolish. Jews look for signs. Jesus told His disciples, I will make you fishers of men. You will go out and cast the gospel. Some will have faith. Some will have false faith. Some will have no faith at all. I will sort them out. You go with the gospel. Any experienced fisherman knows, 
Right, Anthony? Fish aren't always biting. You can have the best bait and be in the best place. You can be in a place where you caught a hundred fish before. And the same weather, the same situation, and it's like the lake is empty. Even more true with fishers of men. Not all fish bite. Not all fish, at least the first time they hear it, come to faith. But your reward is not determined by the response of the person hearing you. If we take Christ's message, we are successful. Many people have labored in foreign fields for years with no converts. Only those who come in their trail end up seeing converts on that mission field. But those first pioneers that went with that gospel were just as faithful as the later ones who saw souls reaped. Your reward is not determined by another person's response. See, we think we're only successful when we go and talk to somebody about Jesus and they come to faith. And that does happen sometimes, but usually it means other brothers and sisters have come before you with that gospel and been rejected. And you were just there at that time of reaping. But there's a time to sow. There's a time to reap. There's a time to with with eyes on Christ to proclaim His gospel, knowing His word will not return to Him void. If you have faithfully delivered the message, you have beautiful feet. And Paul sums up this little section with verse 17. Look at it. So, many conclusion here. So, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. What would Christ say so many times? Let he who has ears to hear, hear. Now, everybody he was speaking to heard that. They heard the the sound of His words. This verse is telling us faith comes from hearing the Word of Christ. What is the Word of Christ? Well, it's the Word about Christ. It is the Gospel message. When Paul summarized the Gospel, what did he say in 1 Corinthians 15? This is the Gospel by which you are saved, that Christ died for our sins, that He was buried And he was raised the third day. See, the gospel is all about Jesus. And it's that message through which God works. Listen, if if we're going to talk big picture, this is the message about Christ. From Genesis to Maps, this is all about Jesus. Jesus was there in the garden. Jesus was prophesied in Genesis 3.15. All the way through Revelation. But on a more targeted notion, we we summarize what this word teaches to show. I mean, think about John 3.16. This is the way God loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, which we all deserve, but have everlasting life. That's a summary statement about what this whole Bible teaches. But when he says the word about Christ, or the word of Christ what's called a pregnant genitive, right? There's a lot there. It's the word about Christ or it's the gospel message. Same thing he mentioned in one sixteen to 17. So he says, faith comes from hearing the gospel. God saves through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And those who hear are the ones who call and are converted. So to the Hebrew... Ear, to hear, is not just to hear a command, but it's to heed that command. In the Bible, real hearing is hearing and heeding. It's hearing and doing. So that real hearing, true hearing, this kind of hearing, 
is not just hearing the sounds of someone share the gospel with you. It's hearing and understanding the truth of that such that you turn and trust in this Savior that they're talking about. That you repent, that you go a different direction. That change of mind, that change of the direction of the soul goes from pursuing self in one's own way and finding pleasure in sin to turning and trusting and receiving Christ out of grief and hatred for sin and love now and joy that there's mercy available in Jesus. Are you trusting in Christ this morning? Are you still trusting in yourself? My good works will outweigh my bad. Number one is a lie. Number two will end you in hell. Because you're trusting in yourself. Well, I'll wait someday. I'll figure this out when I was old. When I'm old. I used to say that. I'm having too much fun now. I'll deal with this when I'm old. I assumed I was going to get old, number one. And the way I was living, the odds were not good. But see, even the Jews Paul's grieving over, this is what they're doing. They're trusting in their own performance, their own doing of the law to make them righteous. They've stumbled over the stumbling stone. They haven't seen that all are sinful and need a Savior. And that Savior is this Messiah who has come. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Have you come to the point in your life where you were convicted over your sin and knew that you were lost and knew that you needed a Savior and such that you turn and you trust in Christ and receive Him as Savior? To believe on Him means to trust in Him, to count on Him for salvation. It's not just mental assent. We hear the words of the gospel and we believe mentally that they are true. But saving faith is more than that. The devil does that much. Saving faith is on the basis of that truth. Now I turn and trust in Christ and receive Him. So hearing the message in this way is hearing it, yes, but heeding it such that I turn and trust in Christ. Are you hoping in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation? Do you believe that you are righteous in God's sight because he promised to credit Christ's righteousness to you through faith? Or are you trying to be righteous so he'll accept you? If you're trying to be righteous so he'll accept you, you need to turn from that. We need to repent of all of our good works and all of our bad works and trust in Jesus. So hearing is hearing and heeding and calling upon the Lord out of a conviction and contrition and a con- understanding that I'm lost and need a Savior and I cry out to Him because He's promised to save those who trust Him. The Word of Christ is the Word about Christ. It's the Gospel. And even if others don't believe it, It's still the gospel. It's still the power of God for salvation. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 to 24. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Wait, why did they preach that? Because that's the message he gave them to preach. That is the gospel, Christ crucified. There's you a real summarized version, right? He was raised, yes, but he was crucified. He says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly or foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are called both to Jews and Greeks or Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. All of us sitting in this room today, somebody came to us in some form with the gospel. Someone was sent to us. To tell us about Jesus. That might have been through a book or a tract. It might have been through a radio program or a TV show. Or somebody in person in front of you. Or a combination of all of those. But praise God, somebody took that message seriously enough to come tell us about it. And it's that same message 
that will transform our lives. Why did Christ die? Well, to die, he first had to live. Why did he come? Well, he came because we were unrighteous. We had broken the law. We were under condemnation. We deserved justice from God. So Christ came and he lived under his own law and he kept it in thought, word, and deed. He fulfilled all righteousness. He deserved only blessing. As the pure and spotless and undefiled Lamb of God, though, he went to the cross and took our condemnation. Christ died. What does the Scripture say? Christ died for our sins. He was buried and He was raised the third day. While He was on that cross being God and man, He could drink that cup of God's wrath dry because He was not just a man. He was the God-man. Before He left that cross, He said, It is finished to tell us that I paid in full. And He gave up His spirit. Third day, he was raised from the grave. That's the gospel. Christ died for us. He was buried. He was raised. And he gives us salvation as a free gift. You offend him if you try to pay for it. Because he's paid for it. Have you received Christ as the free gift of salvation? That's my first point of application. Have you heard the gospel? Now listen, some of you have heard it so many times you're tired of hearing it. Your family's pestering you to death with it. Your neighbors, your co-workers are pestering you to death with it. You may be able to answer their questions. But remember what it means to hear the gospel. It means to hear it with understanding such that you heed it and you turn to Christ for salvation. Have you, in the light of our text we're looking at now, have you called on the Lord for salvation? Think of that tax collector. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Christ said he went home justified. Have you called on the Lord? Have you really heard the gospel such that you've seen your need of this Savior and you've turned to him and trusted in him? Have you repented and trusted in Jesus alone? Water won't save you. You can be dipped in water till the cows come home or have it thrown on you, sprinkled on you, whatever the means is. Water will not justify you. Baptism points to the one who died and was raised that we might be justified through faith in Him. Church attendance won't save you. Reading your Bible won't save you. Giving your money won't save you. Some preachers won't tell you that because they want you to give them their money. most important thing I have for you is the gospel that you might trust in Christ. And if you trust in Christ, you'll do what he wants you to do. You cannot save yourself. If you will be saved, it will be Jesus saving you. Are you trusting in Christ and Christ alone? Have you heard the gospel? Number two, you say, yes, I'm a Christian. Number two, are you, do you have beautiful feet? Are you proclaiming the gospel? Are you the Dead Sea that took that gospel in and just holds on to it? Or is it flowing through you? Remember, Christ said rivers of water would flow from the bellies of those who believe in Him. Living water. Gospel water. The good news about Him. Are you proclaiming the gospel? Preachers, yes, but also congregation. Are you a gospel messenger? If not, why not? Maybe it's from misunderstanding. You thought you had to be able to answer everybody's questions and you're afraid you wouldn't be able to answer a question. I'm going to tell you ahead of time, you're, going, you're not going to be able to answer every question. You're not omniscient. God doesn't expect you to be. All Christ, all Christ has done is given you the message. Imagine the message on this scroll and I, I take this and roll it up and I give it to Corey. That's what I want you to deliver. It's a pretty simple message. Come up and preach now. No. That's what he's told us to do. Just deliver my message through prayer, out of love, with conviction and concern. But it's my message that does the work. 
If you're not a gospel witness, rededicate that today. Isaiah's words, Lord, here am I. Send me. Here, here I am. Use me. I can do nothing. You must do it. Do it through me. Give me a heart for the lost. And give me a willingness to through fear and trembling like Paul in Corinth. Through fear and trembling to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified. To be humble enough to share the gospel. Open your mouth and let Jesus speak through you. Listen, there's something wrong if we don't want to talk about Christ. Who's taken hell for us. That we don't have to face it. Who gives us salvation as a free gift. When we value some person's opinion of us over his, that's not good. Do you have beautiful feet? Let me end with a note of encouragement because it's always said that you can enter your room talking about two things. Prayer and evangelism. Look at me. None of us have glorified feet yet. We all stink at this to some extent. And it's supposed to be that way. We're supposed to feel our weakness because we're weak. (laughs) But the great God of heaven will work through that weakness. His power is made perfect in weakness, he told Paul. So we'll always be in touch with our weakness and we'll never be a perfect witness and we'll think we've blown it most of the time we witness. But to the extent that his word went forth, it was a success. We don't have glorified feet yet. None of us are perfect witnesses. Some of us are better than others about it. And like Corey was saying in the 915 class, you want to get better at witnessing? Hang out with somebody who does it. Yeah, go to the booth when the booth is set up. Or the creation booth, go from creation to the gospel. Go and just hang out and listen how they take people through. But none of us are perfect witnesses. But we should have sanctified feet. Not glorified feet, we're not perfect, but sanctified feet. We're growing in it. Feet that are growing in delivering the good news to others. So a good place to be. Are you convicted about your witness? Do you wish you were a better witness? Do you want others to come to know Christ? Do you want God to use you? But you just feel so weak. And not good at it. It's okay. Have you read the Gospels? Have you read about those guys he used to transform the world? It's not the alias. But it's a great God with a glorious gospel whose grace is sufficient. Strive to be a better witness. Listen, and listen, God won't love you more when you're a good witness. Just don't get on the treadmill. Okay? Well, he's going to be more pleased with me. No, trust and rest and take that good news to those around you. Not, look at me. Not even the apostles were perfect witnesses. Not one of those guys were glorified while they were walking the earth. They all made mistakes. Sometimes one had to correct the other. But to the extent that they were faithful with this gospel message, they had beautiful feet. So listen, be comforted by His grace. Be encouraged by His power. Be encouraged by the knowledge that He will work through you. In fact, when you are delivering the truth of His message, it is Him speaking through you. And if they reject it, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Him. You're just the vessel through which He's working. So be encouraged to grow in sharing the gospel. And to help one another and encourage one another in the work. We are to be locked arm in arm for the gospel. Scripture says. And we've seen in this text that, yes, we have a responsibility to share the gospel with others. It is the only message of salvation that is the power of God for salvation. 
It's the same message that brought us to faith so that we called on the Lord. So let's be bold in our proclamation, knowing that faith comes from not our cleverness, but from hearing this word about Jesus. And know that if you are a growing gospel messenger, then Christ is speaking his gospel through you. And in the opinion of the one that matters, you have beautiful feet. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would work in us. That we might remember the zeal we had when we first came to faith in you. And that we might temper that with the wisdom that you have given us. Not so that we won't witness, but so that we will be better, wiser, more Christ-like in our witness. Burden us for the lost. Yes, convict us over our failure, but then comfort us with your grace and your gospel. And assure us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in us. That the God who spoke the universe into existence and sustains it by his power works in us and through us. That we are an instrument in your hands. We are definitely among those you have sent. And you have sent us with a mission to make disciples. And disciples are made through your gospel proclaimed. So that people hear it. And call upon the Lord. So help us, Lord. To rededicate this morning. To loving you. With our lives, yes. And with our lips. To having your message. On our tongues and on our pens. And on our keyboards. And wherever else we are. That we would be pleased. Nervous, yes. But pleased. And excited to speak the words of our Savior. Revive and refresh us, Lord. To be joyful and confident in you. That your word will never return to you void. And that having delivered your message, we are successful. (coughs) Salvation is your work. So we praise you this morning. We lay at your feet and pray for your help. In Jesus' name.